We are here to tell you ghost stories. I don't know. Corinne and I decided we're being musicians and singers now. Yeah, I was trying to do like deep, sexy breath into the microphone earlier. <laughs> is this is this how you're supposed to do it? I think so. I don't know why I did an accent. See, this is quarantine. You you discover new hobbies and some that you probably shouldn't share with people. <laughs> now that we have these stands, it's hard to not just feel like you're supposed to sing when there's know. a microphone hanging in front of your face. Or like dance because I have hands. I'll do jazz hands. Perfect. Great. We, we solved it. We're new people. And this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And I just noticed, Corinne, now that we are hands-free, you do this cute little thing with your face as you read into the microphone. I do. You do like a little head nod. Because now it's because I've been watching too much Shit's Creek. I'm <laughs> Alexis. A little bit Alexis. <laughs> I think before we had to be so still because we were trying not to move the microphone and shift mm-hmm. too much. And so I was like, still being. And now I'm grooving into the microphone. <laughs> a little too creepy. Yeah. I love it. I like your shirt today. Like a light pink velour hoodie. It's a hoodie. Actually, if you look back at pictures from our very first recording of our podcast, I wore this very same hoodie. Oh, Sabrina, why didn't you tell me we had a theme? I would (laughs) have tried to figure out what the hell I was wearing. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I'm only wearing this. It's great. It's like a long, it's basically a dress. It's so nice. My mom has been teasing me because, and I'm not unique in doing this place. Everybody's (laughs) been doing it, but... I only really dress on the top for work, mm. and I only dress, like, literally collarbone up. So it's I'm wearing a normal shirt, but I'll wear, like, a swimsuit top underneath or no bra at all. I love <laughs> it. I'm just like, no one will see. I feel like you should do what RBG does and just put the, like, you know, the different little collars she has. Little, you yeah, just have, like, shake collars that you put on top of a sweatshirt or something. Yeah. Someone needed something the other day, and I was on, like, a Google Hangout call, and it required me to stand up. And I was like, oh, oh, no, everyone look away. I'm wearing pajama pants with Christmas trees on them and no bra. <laughs> Why did you have to stand up? That is what I wonder. Uh, we were like shooting a mock video and it required me to be like, ah, uh, get up and leave. Gotcha. I was the actor picked for that. See, your acting skills are coming in handy. Uh, no, we had to take a few takes because I just straight up forgot to react to anything on the first couple <laughs> You're a little rusty. You're a little rusty. It's okay. I never was good. But we're here to tell ghost stories. Yes, that's why we're here. Before we go into listener stories, I hear, Corinne, word on the street is that you got something to tell us. And by word on the street, I was like, more stuff is happening, Sabrina. (laughs) (laughs) I told you. It was word on Word on the Google Hangouts chat before we started recording. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I just unloaded everything that was happening the last time we recorded And so there's not too much to update on other than it doesn't matter what time of day it is. The ghosts are just like out and they are active. And the other day I walked into the room that I've been working in and it was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, 2 p.m., very sunny. And I walked into the room to grab my laptop and keep working. And there was just a straight up mist just Oh, moving across the like lower part of the floor. It was probably like a foot off of the ground, just like passing by. And I was like, okay, interesting. Yeah, it's weird. And it's also weird because I feel like for some reason my family is react. Like, I guess we, since we're sheltering in place, like what else are you going to do? But like (laughs) our reactions have been very much more like, that's just the way it is. (laughs) Instead of 
freaking out because we have nowhere to go. So we're just like, oh, a mist just went by. Okay. Hi, mist. Okay. So did you have any weird feelings or was it just like, oh, that's a mist? No, I just happened upon a mist. Oh. I'm so curious, like, what happens in rooms. And I said this last time. What happens in rooms in your house when you're not in them? I know. Because it seems like you caught the tail end of something. Yeah. What was said entity doing? Because I interrupted it. I told you, right, that my family's been, we were all waking up at the same time. Yeah. At, like, 3 a.m. And then my mom and I started saying goodnight ghost. And so we just kind of assumed that my dad was also not waking up at that time anymore after we started it. Mm-hmm. But then he told me that he was, and he didn't know that we were saying goodnight ghost. He kind of just like missed the memo, <laughs> but he started saying it. And now he's saying that he's sleeping through the night. So wow. I guess it's like each one of us has to be like, good night. That's actually really cute. <laughs> it's like a little kid. And I also like, I don't really know, but I kind of feel like I might've caught just a second of the dog. I've never seen the dog, but the other day, I looked in like at the the level that a dog would be. I saw it looked like kind of like a dark, almost like the back end of a dog, just kind of like mm. moving past the window pane in the double doors that open up yeah. into our big living room. Could have been something else, but I was like, ooh, was that the dog? Did I see it finally? So you guys have like a different dog and it's not wrinkles, right? I feel right. like you've told that on the podcast. A black dog or something? Yeah, because the dog has been seen at the same time as my dog wrinkles when wrinkles ah. was alive in the same room next to each other. The dog that everyone has seen is a like black lab with a red collar. Oh, right. Yeah. That's another children's book for you is wrinkles in the afterlife with the black dog with a red collar. Hanging with his buds. Working title. <laughs> Hanging with my buds. <laughs> Age three and up. <laughs> Your apartment's still still in the clear? Still in the clear. Thank wow. goodness. Knock on wood. I don't know where wood is. Well, too far from it. I wonder how much we'll get stirred up in this time, whether ghosts are now hiding because there's too much activity, or maybe some of your resident ghosts are like, mm-hmm. oh, looky here. They want to spend more time with me. Let's hang. I will say someone tweeted about, I can't remember, someone, one of our listeners retweeted a friend's tweet and was like, you guys should do a whole segment on this. And it was like, the tweet, original tweet was, how are we not talking about all these poor people who are locked away in their houses that are extremely haunted? Yes. That was one of my first thoughts when all of this went down. Yeah. Which is, yeah, we had mentioned it too, but it's just like, how, how are you guys? <laughs> Can you let us know? We want to make sure you're okay. We need to, everyone's like, oh, check on your extroverted friends, see how they're doing. No, check on your friend who lives in a haunted house, see how they're doing. Just so you know, my extroverted friend is Nick, and he's not doing well. He's, he's not doing well. I'm doing great. I'm thriving. Oh, Nick. <laughs> All right. But we have lots of ghost stories. You guys are haunted for sure. Do you want to start, Kren? Sure. I can start. Let me pop on over to our folder called Encounters. <laughs> okay. This is called Haunted Bank of America. Oh. Hello, ladies. I've been procrastinating this email for the longest time, but here I am finally ready to share my spooky story. When I was 15 years old, my mom used to be a janitor for Bank of America in the city of Paramount, California. She used to take me with her to help her and to keep her company, and we would always arrive an hour after they closed, and most of the time, all of the employees were still there working or just finishing up and getting ready to go home, so they already knew who my mom and I were. One day, I overheard one of the tellers ask my mom if she's ever heard or experienced anything creepy while we were by ourselves, and my mom was like, what do you mean? And the teller just said, oh, never mind, I don't want to scare you. (gasps) 
My mom doesn't believe in ghosts or anything paranormal, so she brushed it off like it was nothing. But me, on the other hand, (laughs) I couldn't stop thinking about it. I always knew something was off about the place because you can definitely feel this weird, heavy energy whenever you walk in. And I'd randomly find myself feeling scared for no reason at all and just having the feeling of someone watching me. I never said anything to my mom because I knew she would say that I was crazy. So the following days started getting spooky. This bank was huge and had a second floor where the break room and kitchen and employee restrooms were. One day, both my mom and I were downstairs talking about where we were going to eat And suddenly we hear someone running upstairs. There was a huge long hallway upstairs and we could literally tell how someone ran from one side of the hallway to the other and then ran again and stopped in the middle. My mom and I were just staring above us at the ceiling and then looked at each other and we're like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) At this point, my mom became a believer. LOL. She had no choice. Luckily, we were already done cleaning upstairs, so we hurried up with the downstairs area as fast as we could. Every day we'd experience something new, always a new sound or shadows. So here comes the fun part. One day, my mom got a call from her supervisor telling her that she wasn't allowed to take her kids to work anymore. And my mom was like, what do you mean? You know my daughter already. And you said it was okay for her to help me. Mm -hmm. Then the supervisor was like, no, I'm not talking about your teenage daughter. I'm talking about the little boy you guys always take and he waits for you out in the lounge area. Oh my God, my my heart dropped. I am the youngest. I don't have any younger siblings. Oh, I have chills. (laughs) And I'm not wearing a bra, so (laughs) everywhere has chills. (laughs) If you get what you're saying. If you don't get it. (laughs) My mom's supervisor continued to describe how in the cameras, you can see a little boy walk into the bank with us, but he would never leave with us. And so they were concerned about the little boy. They always explained that they could see him running around the entire bank, touching things and messing with computers. Unfortunately, they never let us see the surveillance. No! I'm also 100% sure that that little boy wasn't the only one there with us because the shadows and footsteps that we would hear sounded and looked like a grown-up. My mom, the non-believer, who then became a believer, ended up quitting. LOL. (laughs) I'll never forget the chills I felt in my entire body that day. That was definitely a scary experience. Hope you all enjoyed that. I have more stories, but I'll send them on another day. I hope you guys are keeping safe during this pandemic. Thank you for keeping me sane on Mondays through all of this madness in the world. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to my friends, Marta and Sarah. They love you guys just as much as I do. From Liz. I'm so bummed they didn't get access to the footage. Uh, And also... Like, if I were an employee, I <laughs> maybe I could be fired, but I would totally rip that video and and put it online. Yes. Because, like, like, you see online, it'll be like, oh, haunted supermarket in Massachusetts mm-hmm. or, like, haunted amusement park and whatever. Like, and they'll have actual footage and it blows up. Like, what are you going to do? Get more publicity for your cool-ass Bank of America? Yeah, but I guess because it's a bank, there's already so many security protocols put in place that, like, right. if they posted security footage would that then compromise them so i get it yeah but i don't agree with it (laughs) yeah oh my god i know Ooh, the fact that the spirit on the surveillance camera came frequently enough and was so clear that the supervisor was like you gotta stop leaving your kid around like it wasn't just like oh i think there's a spirit near you i know but also the fact that the supervisor was like hey Don't bring your kids. Not like, hey, why do you keep leaving your son in the bank? Yeah. I know. That would have been a better question. Like, well, how do you retrieve him? What do you do? What is going on here? 
And it's interesting that the the boy would walk in with them. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if they're bringing it from their own home. I know. Oh, I just got full chills. Or if he just waits outside for them like, and really likes them. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know. And it's so weird because they obviously felt spooky vibes. I wonder... I would assume like running up the stairs and up and down the hall was probably him because... Yeah, that makes sense to me. A young child playing. But it it's just so crazy that they saw shadows and heard noises and felt like they were being watched and kind of just generally had creepy vibes and felt mm-hmm. like it was coming from an adult presence. And yet in such close proximity to them, basically following them from room to room yeah. was a little ghost boy. <laughs> Like they missed the number one spirit haunting them. Right. I'm curious what the bank tellers saw in order for them to first be like, hey, do you ever feel or notice anything Mm -hmm. when you're alone? Because, you know, in order to ask someone that, it must be pretty extreme. Right. And I don't know about you, but I feel like even in Boston, like in the city, I feel like the latest a bank is open is like, I don't know, 7 p.m. So if you stay an hour later... And then if you clean the whole bank, you're probably out of there by like 10 p.m. Like it's not Mm -hmm. super late. It's not like it's 1 a.m. in the morning and all of these bank tellers are wrapping up and people are going in to do a nighttime clean. It's it's still generally earlier in the night. Yeah. But that just goes to show that ghosts are always around. They are. They don't wait for the middle of the night. Little boys waiting for you outside. Okay. I was going to save this story for later, but I have to read it now because it has some connections, kind of. Oh, okay. Okay, so this is from Chris, and it's called Encounter. Who is Ashley? Hey, Corinne and Sabrina. I love the podcast, so I figured I would share one of my encounters with you guys. This is one of the most memorable days of my life, so please excuse any unnecessary details. When I was eight years old, my parents were grilling out one evening, and my dad invited over a work friend and his family. We will call them the Smiths. In the family, there was a mom, a dad, a girl who was my age named Hannah, and her slightly younger brother, Ashley. The adults were around the grill laughing and drinking, except for my mom, who I could see washing dishes through the kitchen window. My older brother had a friend over, and they were in the front yard playing basketball. Hannah, Ashley, and I were all in the backyard feeding goats through the fence. Um, First of all, how cool. I know. (laughs) (laughs) This is the last moment I remember before everything went into chaos. I was telling them a story about the previous night where we had found a small dead owl tied by its feet in a tree that we were near. I mentioned to them my dad said that it was weird because it was tied with a shoelace to the tree. Ashley stopped me mid-sentence, sat down on the edge of the fence, and looked directly at me and said, Your dad just got in an accident and may die. Hannah asked him what he said, and he didn't look away from me and repeated, Your dad just got in an accident and may die. I did not take this serious at all because how could this kid that has been in the exact same place as me know that? I had just heard my dad laughing at the grill moments before. It then became eerily quiet outside as if my ears were being covered and I could see the wind blowing the trees, but I couldn't hear it and I started to grow nervous. I looked up to the window and saw that my mom was no longer washing dishes. I walked around the shed that was blocking my view of the grill and noticed that there were no adults there. I walked to the front of the house to see if my brother was there and they were not there either. I ran inside the house, and no one was there either. I started crying, and all of a sudden, my brother ran inside from the garage and said, Dad was hurt, and we have to go to the hospital. Aunt Renee will be here in five minutes for you. I ran out the door trying to go with them, but by the time I got to the door, he was already getting in the car, which was in the middle of the yard at this point. I could see my mom crying, and I knew things were bad. I looked outside to see if I could see Hannah and Ashley, but they were not there anymore. My aunt pulled up, and it was completely dark at this point. 
She had clearly been crying, but was trying to keep a smile on and tell me everything was okay. I got in her car and we were on her way to her house. As we approached the end of the gravel road, I noticed the headlights illuminate a giant pool of blood on the side of the road. I need to mention that the area of the road where this happened was over 300 yards from our mailbox, and there is no visibility of it from our house due to trees. I remember wondering how Ashley knew my dad got in an accident since we were all together for the last few hours. It turns out that my dad was driving one of our ATVs down the road, and to avoid hitting a dog, he swerved, and the ATV flipped and threw him off into a canal ditch. Fast forward almost 20 years. I think about that day often and generally play it off as childhood trauma. I have not seen either Hannah or Ashley since that night as they lived over an hour away from us. That was until a few months ago when I received a friend request from Hannah on Facebook. I posted a check-in at a hotel in Charlotte and she messaged me and asked if I would like to meet up with her and catch up. I said yes and we met that same night. The conversation started out as casual, but then she mentioned the night of my dad's accident and how odd everything was. We discussed the night and our stories matched completely, even up to the silence of the trees and Ashley telling me about my dad being in the accident. But then we got to a few parts where our stories did not match. During her story, when she mentioned Ashley, she said, wasn't it weird how that little boy knew about the accident and we didn't? Which I found was really weird wording because I thought that little boy was her brother. I asked her how her family was and she told me that her parents got divorced and remarried. And then I asked about her brother. She then said that she did not have a brother. Oh my God. And I was like, who, who was Ashley to you? And she said, I thought he was your brother. I argued with her for minutes until we realized neither of us were lying. She then asked if he was related to my brother's friend, which I knew was incorrect because his sister was my best friend through high school. And I knew their whole family. We both sat in silence for a few minutes while we were clearly trying to process what happened. Suddenly, I looked over towards the window, and there was a small owl perched on the brick outside the window looking directly at me. Hannah looked over and gasped, as if she was shocked by it. The owl looked at her and then back at me and then flew away. She looked at me and said, Remember that story you told us about the owl just before the accident? As I thought about it, the owl we saw looked exactly like the owl that my dad cut down from the tree. On the way outside, we walked out to our cars, and we heard what sounded like laughing in the woods in front of our cars. We look up and see the owl looking down at us, so we both jump to our cars and leave. The owl literally sounded like a human laughing. Here are some details I need to close with. I have asked my mom and brother about that night and who was there. My mom said there was no little boy, but my brother remembers him specifically, even what he was wearing. There are pictures from that day, but none of Ashley. Something tells me that Ashley is a ghost that may be attached to me because I've seen him in a few dreams over the years. I can still picture exactly what he looks like, especially the cold stare he had when he would speak. I wonder if the owl is a sign or a spirit. I got a vibe, for a lack of a better word, that the owl was there to check up on us. Excluding zoos, I have never seen an owl other than these two times. Thanks for reading. Keep up the awesome job, and I will see you on the other side. Chris. Okay, that story brought me through every single emotion I think possible. I know. First of all, how long did it take you to read that? 10 minutes? And I have had full body chills the entire time. Like my (laughs) ears are pinned back. Like the whole, my all of my head skin has moved backwards because it's just a permanent chill on my body. Who needs Botox? Just (laughs) read ghost stories forever. Chris sends us his ghost stories. (laughs) Holy shit. First of all, I I wanted to absolutely cry and my heart was broken and I was picturing my dad in the place of Chris's dad and it's just the fear and the panic that you would have hearing that and then trying to find your family and searching everywhere and not being Mm -hmm. able to find them right away. I can only imagine how 
much anxiety and, and how much like heartache is even just built in those few moments. Right. And then once you find them, it's even worse than you expected. Like hell it's no. so heartbreaking. So heartbreaking. So sad. And then finding out about Ashley, I just was like, I wanted to vomit. <laughs> and like as scary as that revelation is, but to like imagine he and Hannah never reconnected on Facebook. He would never know no. that this little boy spirit or whatever he was, is not her brother and was just appearing to them. Yes, I know. And like was playing with them. And clearly they somehow knew this kid's name as well. Right. Like, it's so weird to think that, yeah, he would have gone his whole life thinking that her younger brother, Ashley, somehow was like super sensitive to the paranormal and somehow like got these weird messages when it is so much crazier than that. Right. Because on first, like when you first read the first half of that, of his experience, it's like, yeah, we've read so many stories and heard so many stories of little kids with intuition and like getting these messages like that. Right. But it was a spirit. Ashley wasn't real. I know. And I'm trying to figure out who or what Ashley is because I know for Ashley to appear a few more times throughout Chris's dreams, that's one thing. Like that's, that's a, That's like an encounter, but it still feels like it's at an arm's distance. But it's so much different to have like a full body apparition in front of you, playing with you, spending enough time with you and another person to the point where they assume that you're a living, beating heart, fully flesh body in front of them. Right. And part of me wonders if there's so many elements to the story that I just... I'm having a hard time connecting. Like it's hard for me to connect Ashley to this laughing ghost and the accident. Like I don't want to believe that Ashley was a negative spirit, but it almost feels like Ashley was attached to either Hannah or Chris in some manner, whether it's past lives or guardian or whatever it may be. And, and it just like knew this accident happened. And because he's a spirit, he told them. I know I'm trying to figure out though, like the deadpan delivery, like the the expressionless. Yeah, but in the same way that if like a medium, for example, is struck with a message, they just Mm -hmm. deliver it and it it's almost emotionless. It is more deadpan because it's just like they have to say it. True. And I'm really curious. I know that he was like, Oh, the owl seemed to be checking up on us, but I don't know. It seems almost more of like an intimidating, especially with the laughing, it reminds me of the few listener stories we've read before where someone's like out in a field or or somewhere at night and then you just hear what sounds like either an animal noise or mm-hmm. it's like an animal noise that sounds like it's coming from a human or like an animal creating just a f- full-on human cackle like that like that's that's crazy yeah. and correct me if i'm wrong but i don't believe owls laugh like that like if it were a coyote or a fox right. or a hyena or something then i'd be like okay well yeah they often sound like women screaming and children laughing and whatever. Right. An owl? Yeah. I don't know much about owls or enough about owls to to distinguish, but it does feel odd. Yeah. I am going to read a story called Camping Story. And this email was sent to us by Joshua. Dear Sabrina and Corinne, my name is Joshua and I have fallen in love with your podcast recently. And I have a ghost story that you can mention on your show if you'd like. We like. We like. (laughs) It begins in sixth grade and I went to a fancy school and the fancy school did really cool field trips. 
So the main sixth grade field trip was an overnight camping trip where we went to lake and rivers for fossil hunting. We stayed at a campsite with cabins that were at least 50 feet apart. The fire pit was on the complete other side of the site from my cabin. There was a field in the middle and we had a bathhouse on each side, one for the boys, one for the girls. When we arrived on site, we all got bad vibes from all of our cabins and seemed especially bad when we stood by the lake, which happened to be where the fire pit was, which we had to sit by for two hours. It was awful. As soon as we arrived, my friend, who had pretty bad anxiety and really bad nightmares, her head started to hurt and her heart rate would not go down until we left the next day. After we moved our stuff and sleeping bags into our cabin, a big group of us went down to the lake to scope it out. It was very spooky. And when we got down to the lake, there was a bench swing that had begun to rock back and forth, even though no one had touched it. Then we were sitting there talking and the swing began to swing bigger and bigger than before, enough to where we noticed it. After that, one of my friends screamed and she pointed to the mangroves and said something was coming for us. And to add on, her voice was so deep, like a creepy old man deep. (laughs) So we left the lake. Everything after that was normal and the fire and dinner was fine. It was time for lights out, and we had military bunks, so we had two on one bunk. Duh, that's how bunk beds work. And my friend, whose heart rate was still fast, was on the top bunk, clear view of the outside through the window. I was on the bottom and had the lower part of the bunk, and we had a clock in our cabin, and I fell asleep around 11. I woke up exactly at 3 in a cold sweat. My friend, on the other hand, had her back facing me, never having fallen asleep. I asked her what was wrong, and she said that the figures were coming. Then, as she said that, the dining hall door began to creak back and forth. We could hear it from my cabin, and I turned to my friend, and I said, Did you hear that? And she said no. So I was leaning towards the window, and there were a bunch of human figures with horns and sharp claws. As soon as the clock struck 4 a.m., I blacked out. Oh, gosh. I woke up the next morning, and I told my friends who weren't in my cabin. And one of my other friends said that she had trouble sleeping as well. I told her what had happened, and she said that a bunch of the girls and boys had the same experience. But the girl who I was sharing a bunk with said that after I blacked out, she saw me being dragged by a shadow, like I belonged to it or connected to it somehow. Sincerely, Joshua. Um, I feel like that's such a cliffhanger. I know. I'm so it's like, scared. What else? Okay, well, to try to rationalize it, and make it feel less scary even though it is terrifying the shadow dragging her as if they were connected only makes sense in my mind because shadow people are said to be like the shadow version of yourself that is left behind yeah or like a familial haunting passed down through generations yeah but it's so weird i am so unsettled by this and it's just at first i was like this is gonna be fun they're gonna find a cool fossil like our friend lauren's really cool story where she did a trip like this and found a fossil that ended up being put in a museum. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> so I was like, I was just in that mindset, like, this is going to be a cool story. And then, no, it's terrifying. No, it's terrifying. It reminds me of our friend Nikita's story when she was, like, running down a hall. She thought it was a nightmare. And then she got dragged down the hall. And then when she woke up, she had burn marks, like, rug burn marks all over her thighs. Ugh. So it had been real. And this is what this reminds me of, of just, like, Being knocked out and being like, oh, well, I was unconscious for that. That must have been a dream or I don't remember that. But there were witnesses or there's other evidence that points to, no, you were dragged out of your bed. It's so terrifying. So terrifying. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I think if you were in this situation, do you think you would want the top bunk where you get to keep your eyes outside and see what's coming for you? Or would you rather be on the bottom bunk and out of control 
of what's coming near, but maybe less scared because you're able to kind of block it out. Uh, I'm going to say top bunk, one, because it's always more fun, and two, because I'm using the serial killer mentality or like killer mentality. If someone were to come in, unfortunately, bottom bunk's probably the first target. True. And if you're on the top bunk and you're closer to the window, you can at least like kick out the window and jump out if you needed to. I think the worst position out of all of them would be if two people were in the top bunk together to be the one on the outside that doesn't get oh, to look outside. For sure. You're just watching yeah. the person come in and grab you and like pull you off of the top. And you're the person that could be pushed off the bed. Yeah. Sorry. I would push someone off the bed. I wouldn't push. Well, okay. You would push me? <laughs> I shouldn't admit that. <laughs> Now I'm going to be put on the outside when we share bunk beds, Corinne. <laughs> <laughs> well, I i mean, you know how scared I am. So <laughs> you just like latch on to me. I wouldn't be able to push. I you know that's what I was going to say. I think if you pushed me, you'd be pushing yourself as well. We don't we go as a package. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be wrapped around you. You know, it's it's like the force majeure movie. It's like you don't really know how you're going to react in situations like that until it actually happens. Right. Oh, well, I hope it doesn't happen to us. <laughs> I know, me too. Okay. I have a story from Grace, and the subject line is, boy, at the end of my bed, an accidental astral projection, question mark. Hello, Sabrina and Corinne. I love your podcast, and I have been listening to it for a while, although I'm still not all cut up. I really don't think there's another podcast as good as yours. Oh. Aww. I have two kind of three stories for you. I live in England and go to boarding school. Wow, I sound like a stereotype from the 1940s. And the first few years, I lived in this old manor house built in the Victorian era. That's so cool. The girls' floor was in the old servants' quarters. There were a few ghost stories people used to tell, but I didn't believe them. Not because I don't believe in ghosts, just because they didn't seem to add up with the property. We had the usual thing in an old house with floorboards creaking and doors closing, but for the first year, there was nothing else. One night in the second year of living there, I woke up at some point in the night and just felt like I couldn't get back to sleep. I remember turning over and over for what felt like hundreds of times, though looking back, it was probably for less than a minute, but for some reason, I couldn't tell the difference in that moment. I decided to give up trying to go back to sleep and sat up. And then, at the end of the bed, I saw a boy, no older than 16 years old, just looking at me. I've often been able to sense strong presences, but I have never seen a spirit. Not like that. You would think I would have been terrified, but instead I felt an overwhelming feeling of sadness. I felt sorry for him and I had no idea why. It was clear he was definitely not malevolent, and as soon as I saw him and felt that sadness, I remember my body just dropping back against the bed and falling asleep instantly. I kept thinking about it during the rest of the week and eventually told the other girls in my room. I expected them to think that I was crazy because I was so adamant on what I had seen. Instead, they said that the other night a few of them had been in my room just talking, when they saw a shadow quickly walk around the side of my room and then the door opened just slightly as if there was wind and then it shut again. I described him as best as I could, his height and his size, and none of us could believe that I described exactly what the shadow had been like to them. I thought about contacting him but decided against it out of fear of attracting something else. I never saw him again and neither did the others. My other story happened only last month. My mom had to go through brain surgery recently and it has been hard on all of our family. She's been doing really well now, and people can hardly believe it was a month ago because she's healed so well. The night before her operation, I was feeling really worried and couldn't sleep. I was lying facing the wall, but then I felt a presence enter my room. I didn't turn around. I just lay there because I felt like I knew them, and I just didn't know how. 
Suddenly, I realized it was my aunt. I can't describe it, but it was like my entire body just recognized her. I knew it was her. Although I never actually met my aunt, as she had died a few years before I was born, my mom and her had been very close all of their lives. Many members of my family had felt her presence in the years after her death, and once I realized who it was, I felt so much love radiating from her. I felt safe, and I was able to stop worrying because I knew my aunt was telling me she was going to be there with my mom. Still facing the wall, I started to tear up with love I could feel. I needed the reassurance she gave me, and I whispered a thank you, and then she was gone. Part two of this story takes place the night after the operation. My mom was in the hospital, and my dad and I had left her late at night. I was exhausted as we had been up for a long time, and the experience had been a lot. When we finally got home, I wouldn't let myself sleep until I had said a kind of prayer to the universe or whatever is good, asking that my mom heal well and is looked after. In my exhaustion, I guess I went into a half-sleep state while trying to focus on making sure my mom was all right. At some point, I must have fully fallen asleep as I thought I was dreaming of finding my mom's hospital room and checking she was looked after. That was the only dream I had. When I woke up, I felt confused and disoriented. I didn't understand why I wasn't at the hospital. And my dad told me later that morning that he had called the hospital to see how my mom had been throughout the night and said at one point she started calling my name as if I was there and was trying to get my attention. When my mom was back home, I asked her about it and she said she had woken up and seen me wandering the corridor as if I was looking for her. When the nurses told her I wasn't there, she dropped it, thinking they would blame it on the anesthetic still in her system. But I told her of my dream of wandering the ward looking for her, and it's safe to say we were confused about what happened. My mom is also like me and can often sense things. Perhaps her guard was lowered by the drugs, and maybe I accidentally astral projected, though we don't really know. Thank you for such an awesome podcast, and sorry this email got lengthy. See you on the other side, Grace. Okay, what a dream to <laughs> just astral project and then have proof that you did because the other person saw you and was calling your name and like the hospital staff told her dad that. Yes, that is so wild. I mean, clearly, Grace, you have some abilities that maybe you can tap into some more. Maybe it's scary because I feel that way. But if you could control and harness that ability to astral project... Think about the opportunities. So many opportunities. And two, I wonder if her mom is just naturally more in tune or if it was the drugs that lowered her system or if it's just one of those things where it's like a maternal bond. You know, the parents always say that they have a feeling like they know when something's going wrong. That's true. Like they're just so connected to each other that they were checking in. Yeah, I like that. Isn't that wild? I know you never really think so. Like we always, I mean, not we, but like we as in. People of the world <laughs> know that when you have a child, so you're, you're gifting them with half of your DNA. But yeah, one thing we never really talk about is like, how are the souls created? I mean, we don't have an answer, but <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to think that, I don't know, I'm just curious, like, is, is the soul kind of like chosen because there's traveling souls or is somehow they're like a little tie built in as you're born? Mm. I don't know. I mean, if you think about traveling souls, there must be some connection between them, right? Right. And I think souls travel, whether they're mother, daughter, mother, son, father, son, whatever, in one life, they could be boyfriend, girlfriend, husband and wife in another life, or, you know, they could be, there's so many different ways that they can connect in other lives. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So crazy. It's also really interesting, the experience that she had with the little boy at the end of her bed and how she immediately felt sorry for him you know like it wasn't as Mm -hmm. scary of an experience as you would think if you look to the end of your bed and there's a little boy there 
Right. Well, he was 16. So he's like about her age. Oh my God. It reminds me of this book that I read. Oh my God. Why can I read um, How to Hang a Witch? I still need to read it. It's so good. It reminds me of that. And I'm imagining if it continued and they continued seeing each other, they build a romance with each other and fall in love. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm curious because it sounds like Grace didn't do much more looking into who he was. But I wonder if there's any record of a 16-year-old boy in that home. Right. Or like anyone in her own family. You know? Right. I guess I I don't know why, because she didn't say this, but in my mind, I was imagining him dressed in like Victorian era clothing. Just, but maybe I think I was just thinking that because of how to hang a witch. Yeah. That's funny. Cause I totally pictured like a modern day kid with like a a zip up hoodie (laughs) standing at the edge of the bed. (laughs) Grace, let us know who's right. (laughs) Yeah. Do tell what, what, what was he wearing? Was it cute? Oh, God. Oh, gosh. This is called Guiding Grandma in Summer Camp Fright from Maddie. Hello, ladies. I discovered your podcast back in October, and I'm so glad. I love spooky stories, and my cat, Gidget, loves hearing meow in the background. Gidget. Gidget. Also, just two days before happening across your podcast, I rescued a puppy and named her Leia. So when you mention your Leia... My Leia's ears perk up and it's the cutest thing. It's like all three of us are listening to Two Girls, One Ghost. I love it. Anyways, I have two stories for you. The first one is a little long, but the second one is shorter. And it's taken me a long time to decide to email you ladies. And I have never shared either of these stories before. So here it goes. I hope you ghouls enjoy them. Yay. Number one. This story takes place at a Christian summer camp. It was a three week long music program and there were about 50 kids all together. Daily routines consisted of music classes, Bible studies, and free time at the pool. Most of the kids were very involved and excited to improve their musical skills. However, there was one girl who did not want to be there at all. We will call her Tabitha. Tabitha's mother had forced her to go to camp, which she had told the rest of the cabin on the very first day during the obligatory summer camp icebreakers. Mm. She kept mostly to herself and did not try to make friends. A lot of the girls thought that she was weird and avoided her, but as an introvert, I understood not wanting to be at a three-week-long summer camp with a couple dozen preteens and teenagers, so I gave her a passing smile, hoping to make things there a little bit easier. Occasionally, the other girls would tease her by making snide remarks, and I would say something to change the topic to something that I knew that they'd jump on, like how their latest crush sat next to another girl during lunch. You know, typical silly summer camp drama. Mm. Tabitha's bed was in the corner at the front part of the cabin, while mine was in the corner at the opposite end. I must say that while I was at a Christian camp, I was not 100% in my faith, and I was not even sure if I agreed with Christianity. After all, I was 11 years old and went because I didn't want to babysit my younger siblings all summer. (laughs) One night, I was woken by a quiet mumbling. I've always been a light sleeper, and so I figured somebody must be sleep-talking. I rolled over to go back to sleep, but the mumbling continued and grew to be frantic. I could tell the person was crying, so I sat up and I looked around. Across the cabin, I could see Tabitha sitting up on her bed, her arms around her knees, which were pulled up to her chest, pushed up against the corner where the walls meet, rocking back and forth and mumbling quietly through tears. I got out of bed and I quietly went to go see her and see what was wrong. And when I got to her corner, I saw several pieces of notebook paper laid out on her bed and taped across her walls around her, each with a different sigil drawn on it. Confused, I asked her if she was okay and she frantically said, I'm in danger. It's coming for me. It's dark and it's coming. I can't stop it. Oh my gosh. I sat down on her bed and I asked her if she had had a bad dream. And she grabbed my arm and she leaned in, looking desperately in my eyes. And she said, no. 
it's coming. He's coming. Through tears and panicked breath, she told me that she'd recently begun practicing Wicca and had been using a Ouija board to communicate with spirits, but something else was coming through and it had been following her. Oh no. While she spoke, she grabbed her notebook and pen and began scribbling more sigils and tearing them out. She told me that there was no hope for her while she wept, and I wasn't sure what to do. My first thought was to offer her hope through God, but since she didn't believe in God and I wasn't sure if I did either, it seemed like a dumb thing to say. As I opened my mouth to ask if there was anything I could do for her, our counselors came by into the cabin and told me to go back to bed or we would lose our pool time. Tabitha slid under the covers, still crying, and I went back to my bed. I laid still in my bed waiting for our counselors to go back to sleep, but I dozed off while waiting. Sometime later, I was awoken by Tabitha tapping my arm and kneeling next to the bed with an expression of urgency. She held up a piece of paper with a pentacle drawn on it and said, This will protect you. She placed the paper next to my pillow and hurriedly went back to her bed. I slid the paper under my pillow and I fell back asleep. The next morning, Tabitha's belongings were packed and I didn't see her in the cabin while everyone got ready for the day. She didn't go to breakfast with the rest of the cabin and when we came back after the morning devotions, she had been picked up by her mom. At the end of camp, when I slid my suitcase out from under the bed to repack and go home, two more sigils slid with it. I didn't exchange contact information, so I've never been able to contact her, but I am grateful for the protection she offered me. To this day, I have never seen anyone more terrified than Tabitha was that night, and I hope she overcame whatever it was that was terrifying her. And if she's still communicating with spirits, she's learned how to protect herself. As for me, her fear that night disturbed me enough to never want to use a spirit board. Not even once. Wow. All right. Second story, trigger warning, suicide and self-harm. When I was younger, about eight years old, my family fell on economic hardships. On top of this, we struggled with many other things, some of these being that we had moved to a new state, had a newborn in the family, my mother was pregnant, my dad had just lost his father, which resulted in him falling into a deep depression, leaving my Mm -hmm. mother and my older sister, who was 16 years old, to handle most of the adult stuff. After my grandfather passed away, my grandmother moved in to the mother-in-law suite that was attached to our garage via the indoor staircase with my grandmother's front door at the top of the stairs. I would spend all of my spare time with her watching reruns of I Love Lucy and learning how to bake. I found time with her to be an escape from what was going on in the rest of the world until she moved out and shortly after passed away. This crushed me. In an attempt to help my family, I tried to keep my pain to myself so that my parents and older sister had one less thing to worry about. I wrote poetry, I made art to try to cope, but one day I decided I couldn't handle the pain and the grief. And I went into the kitchen and I grabbed a knife and I went into the hallway that led to the vacant mother-in-law suite since it was just off the side of the house and nobody would pass by it. I sat down and right before I did anything, the door to my grandmother's old suite unlatched and creaked open. I stopped, I looked up at the open door and I started sobbing. I sat there crying for a while before taking the knife back to the kitchen and putting it back in its home. I interpret the door opening as my grandmother telling me that I'm not alone, even in my most difficult moments. Mm. I'm 22 years old now, and I have struggled with depression and anxiety for most of my life. And as an adult, I've sought treatment, and I've figured out that depression in particular is genetic in my family. I've learned ways to cope, but in my darkest, loneliest moments, I think back on my grandmother giving me hope. Thank you for reading, and I hope you enjoyed Despite the Heavy Stuff. Stay safe, stay spooky, and see you on the other side. Wow. Maddie, I'm so glad you're okay and that your grandmother came to you to to show you that you weren't alone. 
I know. Just to have that like small sign to be like, no, Mm -hmm. we're all here together and we're all going to support each other, even in the darkest and most difficult times of our lives. When it doesn't seem feasible that there could be any hope, there always is. And then I am so curious what Tabitha got mixed up in with the Ouija board and who she was talking Mm -hmm. to because poor girl was so scared and it probably didn't help that she was at church camp. No. And it makes me wonder if her family was religious or if they just also, if Tabitha was like saying enough and scared enough to the point where they were like, well, then you need to go to church camp. Like we don't know Mm -hmm. what else to do. But to be that scared. I mean, I'm glad that she was able to be picked up the next day because clearly that wasn't a good environment for her. No. And I'm glad Maddie was able to give her some support because that's so scary. I know. I know. It's really scary. It's like, regardless of if there was something following Tabitha or not, to just feel the fear of Mm -hmm. something coming after you and for someone else like Maddie to witness that is just like, just a really unsettling experience. What is with all these haunted campsites? I mean, church camp, I feel like we've talked about already with it already having so many paranormal experiences, but like- I went to camp quite a lot as a kid and I never had any of these experiences, which one I'm quite, I'm like kind of jealous of, but then I'm also really happy I didn't experience. I know. I, did you stay in like wood cabins and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. So the camps that I did were all pretty much sports camps. And so we were staying in like old college dorm rooms or whatever, because we were, that was the type of summer camp that I did. But I did mm-hmm. with my middle school, we would go to this one campsite in Vermont. It's called Camp Hoshalega. And normally it's an all-girls summer camp, but we would go on field trips and it was all wood cabins. And I never, ever, ever thought about intruders or ghosts or anything. I was terrified of the huge-ass spiders that would be, like, creeping up in the top corner of – that was the fear. To be so innocent. Oh, man. Naive. That's when you wish that spiders were your only issue. I know. Well, I don't wish that ever, but – I know. (laughs) I think I'd rather deal with a ghost than a spider. You know, I actually feel the same way. (laughs) I didn't want to say it, but I agree with you. I would much rather have like some slamming doors and some spooky cold chills throughout my cabin than to see a huge big spider in the corner, look away, look back and not be there anymore. Yeah, it could be small too. Like it could be so tiny that it looks like a black speck. Of like dust. And I will still be terrified of it. Size doesn't mean anything. (laughs) It can still climb into your nostril and up into your brain. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I like can't ever get the story of um, I think I read it in Seventeen magazine when I was probably like 12. And it was a story of a girl who thought she had a huge zit on her face. And then when she was in the shower, it popped and all these like baby little egg oh. spiders. Oh, my God. Hatched. No. I know. I've never been able to forget it. No. <laughs> Sabrina, now I need to scratch my face off. First, you shave your head. Then I take my face off. <laughs> this is getting really dark over here. Okay, I'll make it even darker. Let's hear it. All right. I've been waiting to read this for a very long time. Awesome. This is from Haley, and her subject line is, My mom made a wager with a demon, plus a portal in the basement. Fun! Exclamation point. Oh! Hi, ladies. First, I'd like to say my boyfriend Derek and I are huge fans of the podcast. We listen to you together when driving anywhere and also at work individually. You guys are a topic at the dinner table as we are both active on the Facebook group and could spend all day talking about all things spoopy. 
I have a long but worth it story about a demon that has transcended generations in my family. I'd like to share with you the story of the house that I grew up in, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I spent most of my life there before moving to Banff, Alberta when I was 15. It was my great-grandmother's house, and my mom grew up there as a girl as well. Growing up, I have always been susceptible to energies and intuitive feelings to seeing ghosts and deceased family members, especially in that house. My mom used to tell me how, as a child, I would have tea with my Ami Ami, great-grandma. And when she would ask detailed questions as if to debunk me, I would reply with answers that only my great-grandmother, Frida, could provide. She knew then that she had a special baby witch on her hands and always believed me from then on when it came to matters like this. Thanks, Mom. I always remember seeing things and having random ghosts visit me in the night. And for a while, it was just women from a much older era that would visit me, and it seemed like they just didn't know where they were or where they should go. I would tell them that it's okay, and they just needed to move on and go to the light. My dad let me watch Poltergeist as a child, so that's where I learned that. The nightly visitors started out friendly, but then the energy began to change. It went from light beings whose facial features I could make out into a dark, ominous smoke or cloud that seemed to appear in the corners of the walls of my room. I remember one night when I was nine or so, this smoke was seemingly growing and getting closer and closer to me as if crawling the ceiling. And I jumped out of bed and ran down the long hallway to my mom's room. She had the door locked because her boyfriend had slept over, and as I banged on the door, I watched this dark smoke shadow thing leave my room and come closer and closer toward me. My mom finally opened the door, and I ran inside, closing the door behind us, and I cried into her arms. I literally slept on the floor by her bed because I refused to go back in my room. The next day, my mom went to Ikea and bought bunk beds so my sister and I could share a room so that I felt safer, much to my older sister's annoyance. The bunk beds helped a bit. But the nighttime activity stopped after I purchased a book on Wiccan culture and my sister and I performed a protection spell to ward off negative spirits and energies. I felt lighter and I was finally sleeping through the night for the first time in my life, actually. My great-grandmother, Frida, became my only visitor and she visited through random gestures. One of her vintage teacups, which I would drink from, would spin or my spoon would end up on the other side of the cup. A smell of an Estee Lauder perfume she used to wear would fill the air or just the feeling of a hand resting on mine. The biggest problem in that house, however, never really went away. And that, my ghost goddesses, was the basement. Wow, she just called us goddesses. I know, I'm smiling. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Oh god, I'm blushing. Uh, I'm also nervous. Okay, for my whole life, I always had an uneasy feeling being in the basement and would literally rock, paper, scissors my sister anytime we were asked to fetch something from it or switch the laundry. I hated it. It was dark and cold and had a severely uncomfortable vibe. I always felt as if we were encroaching on someone else's space that I was not welcomed in. I also had this strange dialogue with whatever lived down there whenever I left. I can't remember how this came to be, but I used to feel like whatever was down there wanted to keep me, and I made a wager with it. Or maybe it made a wager with me. Every time I went up the four sets of stairs to my room from the basement, the agreement was, if you can catch me, you can have me. I was a cross-country track and field star by the age of 10 and apparently cocky as hell making bets with (laughs) demons. And so every time I would run for my life from the basement to whichever level of the house I was going to, and it never caught me. But let me tell you, both the adrenaline and the feeling like something was hot on my heels was very apparent. This continued for years and years and never really ended. The basement's desire to have me was still felt as I got older. Fast forward to when I'm 17, I've moved back to Toronto for the summer, and as a birthday gift to my mom, we hired a medium to do a reading for the family. Ooh, that's cool. 
My mom's mom had passed away the year prior, and we thought maybe we could connect with her. The medium walked into the house and did a group reading, where my mom's mom reached out to us, and then the medium did individual readings. My mom had a dialogue with her mom, which was interrupted by her grandmother, my great-grandmother, Frida, who specifically in the reading asked to speak to me. My mom invited me to the room, and my great-grandmother told me, through the medium, to stay away from this house, and that it was a bad idea coming back here. Then the connection abruptly ended, and it was my turn for the one-on-one reading as soon as my mom left the room. The medium grabbed my hands and told me that I must stay away from Ouija boards and never invite anyone in my mind or to accept any help from any voice I hear in my head that is not mine. I got really freaked out and said I didn't understand, and she told me I was incredibly susceptible to the other side and must be sure not to be manipulated or open the door. She told me she believed that there was a portal in the house and that in all the years of it being open, some very dark spirits had called our house home. She said she would like to come back and do a proper cleansing and closing of the portal. And she went off, leaving me sufficiently spooked. I finished up my summer in Toronto, still running up them stairs every damn day and then headed back to Alberta. Now, super, super fast forward to last month. I'm 28 and visiting my mom in Nova Scotia. She had sold the house in Toronto and moved away to a sleepy town on the coast last year. We are sitting in her backyard and having a beer by the ocean, talking about our paranormal experiences in the old Victory Drive house. And I said something offhand about the basement, like, man, the basement's so creepy in that house. And my mom starts laughing and begins to tell me how when she was a little girl, she used to be so afraid of the basement. And then she tells me how she used to always feel like there was something drawing her there or something that lingered there and wanted her to stay. She tells me how one day she out loud said to the basement, bet you can't catch me. If you can catch me, you can have me. No. She began to laugh, saying, how dumb is that? While I felt all the hair on my neck and arms stand at attention. I told her how I spent my entire childhood running up those stairs with the same wager in place with whatever was down there and how terrified I was every single time. Oh my God. Oh, it's almost as if it like makes you say that. (laughs) I know. I told her how she likely created the game that I absurdly followed as a child. I finally knew where that stupid agreement originated. I should mention, my mom and I never talked about this, and even as a child when I was running up the stairs, she assumed I was either goofing around or practicing for track and field. I moved on from the stairs conversation and asked if she remembered the night I banged on her door and all the occurrences with my great-grandmother, and she confirmed, yes, I do. I asked if she remembered the night the medium came over, and I told her what she had told me about there being a portal in the basement. She replied, yes, I remember that day. Do you remember that night? I honestly didn't remember that night being substantially different than any other night, and I said, no, what do you mean? My mom goes quiet for a minute and then leans towards me. She goes on to tell me that she heard a loud bang coming from downstairs and some creaky footsteps. So she grabbed her baseball bat from her room and she headed downstairs. She passed the two other bedrooms my sister and I occupied and headed to the main floor where she found me on the stairs heading to the basement. I'm a few steps away from the bottom landing to the basement, and my eyes are closed. I should mention that I did not have any history of sleepwalking. My mom called to me and said, Haley, what are you doing? And apparently, I stopped where I stood on the stairs, turned around, and started slowly stomping up the stairs to her as if pissed off that she disturbed me. She noticed that I was asleep and helped me get back upstairs to my bed. She never mentioned anything more to me, and I didn't remember doing it at all. So creepy. So here's my creepy AF hypothesis that I should try not to think about too hard. 
My mom made some weird deal with a demon as a child that passed down to me, and that demon was the black shadow in my room. When I was visiting that summer, I stayed in a different bedroom, and my sister took over the old bedroom, which we had done the protection spell in. If the medium revealed that there was a portal downstairs and the demon or entity overheard her wanting to come back to close it, maybe demon dearest thought this is my last chance to take her or something and somehow led me to the basement that night in my sleep. It creeped me out to hear this and I'm still processing it. I haven't even mentioned it to my boyfriend, Derek, because I feel like speaking it out loud will make it real. Kind of like that Dan wager my mom made. One further quick note on the basement, when we would go on vacation, we would put our three lovely cats in the basement with food, water, etc. while we were gone, and bringing them downstairs had a similar reaction to putting a cat in a bathtub. They were not having it. They would hiss and scratch us all to hell when we would bring them down there. And now I understand why. And I'm sorry, kitties. Anyway, this is certainly my most creepy experience, but by no means my only experience. I hope you enjoyed it. Sorry if I scared you. Keep up the dope podcast, ladies. See you on the other side. Meow, Haley. Uh, yeah, I'm terrified. <laughs> Thank you about something being on my heels. <laughs> now I'm not going to, like, tonight when I walk upstairs to go to bed, I'm going to be thinking about this. It's so interesting because my house that I grew up in that was really haunted that I had that dream, really dark experience with, I had the exact same feeling with my basement it was like i had to sprint upstairs because i felt like something was trying to catch me oh my god oh i'm really curious too about like I, I understand i'm with her on thinking that perhaps after the reading whatever dark energy was down there was like this is my last chance like get her to the basement number one what <laughs> the hell would have happened once she was there and number two if her mom hadn't caught her and if whatever was controlling her at that moment didn't be like, okay, let's just play it cool and send her back up the stairs. Like, what would her mom have done if she just like looked back and then just kept going or like ran downstairs? Like, do you follow that? <laughs> I mean, it's your child, but it's like, oh God, that's so, so scary. And I feel so bad for the cats. I know. I know. Because it's like, you just think that they don't want to be locked up, right? When you're younger and you're putting them in there. But then it's like, no, they're terrified, downright terrified of whatever is in there. And it's interesting to me because the way that the medium expressed the concern of like the portal almost makes it sound like the portal had been opened and then closed and whatever entities had come out when it was open are like left in the basement. Like, the, you know, that it wasn't actively still open, but as if the medium had to kind of put all the spirits back into the portal. Oh my God. I don't know. Oh God, it it's so out. terrifying. I know. Oh my gosh. Just the fact both her and her mom said the same exact thing, like the same exact wager. Yeah. It makes me think like, is it like mother, like daughter, or did the entity kind of put that in their brains or? I feel like her mom made the wager because she said it out loud. And then when her daughter was born, the entity was like, ooh, another person to do this wager with. Right. So it put it in Haley's mind. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's like, well, you said I could have you and this is part of you. So oh, I'll have God. your daughter. No, thank you. I'm glad that they don't have that house anymore, but I'm so curious. Haley, if you have the address of that house, please send it to us because I want to look it up. Don't you wish that I know that it's like dangerous <laughs> to understand all of the layout and the ins and like see inside people's homes. But sometimes I wish that when you're on Google Maps, you could just drag the little man straight into a house and like walk down the basement and look around <laughs> and go through the house. I know. Oh, well, I don't want to do that for this house, but maybe there will be like 
old photos from when it was up for sale. So we're talking about basements, which is what I'm going to talk about right now. We're just going to stay on the basement trend. Love it. This is from our listener, Lily, and it is called The Office Demon Encounter. Ooh. Hello, ladies. So I just recently discovered your podcast a few months ago, and I have pretty much been listening nonstop since then. You both have such wonderful energies, contagious laughs, and you're both hilarious. I just love listening to two girls, one ghost. <laughs> I feel like this is a testimonial. We can just cut and paste yeah. it on the website. <laughs> Lily says. <laughs> Lily, real life listener. <laughs> Some of my favorite episodes are the encounter episodes, as I've always had paranormal experiences for as long as I can remember. So needless to say, here I am writing to you one of the most terrifying things that has ever happened to me. First, here are a few key things you should know. My dad had an extra storage room that he called his office. It consisted of a lot of unpacked boxes, medieval weapons, crossbows, samurai swords, and guns, a lot of random weapons, and a lot of bad energy attached to it. And lucky for me, my room and the office were right across from each other, but with a good 30 feet of empty space in between. Another thing, my birthday had just passed and my twin sisters had decided to line the wall with balloons leading from my room to the stairs and that will become relevant later in the story. Okay, so story time. So I was halfway through my senior year in high school, and I used to wake up around 4 or 4.30 to get ready for school. And this one morning in particular, everything was just off. I remember waking up around 2.30 needing to use the restroom. So I got up, thanking the Lord that I had a master bedroom so I could just run in and run out. And I immediately noticed that it was freezing in my bathroom. But whatever, right? I'm still half asleep and I'm still warm from my bed. Now that I'm not curled up in my covers, of course it's cold. Well, as I'm sitting there thinking this, I suddenly realize that I can literally see my breath. It's as if I was standing outside in the middle of winter in negative degree weather. Oh. So when I realized I wasn't dreaming and was in fact watching my breath drift away from my face, it scared me shitless and I pretty much did a swan dive to my bed, covered my head, and stayed that way until my alarm went off. Finally, the time comes where I need to start getting ready for the day, and I muster up enough courage to go back into the bathroom so I can shower. And it's just normal. No breath clouds drifting away from me, and not nearly as cold. It just felt like a regular basement bathroom. I quickly showered, and then I got dressed, and I had just finished blow-drying my hair when I realized my dog was all puffed up and he was staring at my door. So I walked out of the bathroom and noticed that he was growling. But before I could say, Jordan, please stop. There were three very loud and very hard bangs on my bedroom door. They were hard enough that my door was rattling, and I thought that the mirror that I had on the back of the door was going to break into a million pieces. It was just so violent. So now I'm staring at my door, watching the mirror, and Jordan back straight up into his kennel, whimpering, and I just stood there flabbergasted with a million questions running through my head. Was it my seven-year-old twin sisters? Was someone trying to break into my room? Did someone break into our house? Although it freaks me out, I started walking towards my door a little mad because there is no need to be so loud so early in the morning, but also scared as to what I'd be opening the door up to. So I grabbed the door handle and I ripped it open and nothing. At this point, I wish someone had been standing there, whether it was my dad, my twin sisters, or an intruder, because it was literally an empty basement. The pounds on the back of my door came from nothing alive. But as soon as I opened the door, it seemed to have set off a very forceful chain of reaction to every balloon being wrenched from the wall one by one, 
all the way to the office where the door slammed shut. Oh, no. I was completely alone in the basement and the door slammed shut. I was mortified because I realized that there was no way a human could move that fast all while ripping balloons down and making it 30 feet away in a pitch black room without tripping, knocking something down, or even being seen, and then slamming the door behind it. And as I'm standing there completely shocked, terrified, and unsure of whether I had soiled myself or not, Jordan (laughs) bolted up the stairs. I noped the fuck out of there. I was right behind him. But as soon as my feet hit that first step, I swear someone or something was right behind me chasing me up. (gasps) No! It was the most terrifying experience I've ever had, especially knowing that I had to go back downstairs because my room was there and I still needed to finish getting ready for school. Oh my gosh. I'm not religious at all, but after that experience, I nailed a cross on my wall. I also was very firm and I told whatever was in the office, it was absolutely not allowed in my personal space, in my room (laughs) or bathroom. And I followed in my dog's footsteps and I ran as fast as I could to and from the stairs, always. And I never looked back. Whatever was there did not want me there as the uneasiness never went away, nor did the intense feeling of always being watched and the sense of being followed. I lived with my dad for almost two more years, all while having dozens upon dozens more experiences after this encounter. I had a bunch before too, in the creepy Palmer house, but those stories are for another time. I recently went back to visit with my boyfriend, who's now my husband, and our daughter, who was three or four at the time, and my dad had cleaned out that room. He had moved everything into my old room, deeming it his new office, (laughs) but I was still incredibly uneasy as I... I think I always will be in that basement, but luckily for my boyfriend and my daughter, neither of them seemed to be bothered by anything other than a long day of traveling. But it was weird observing from the other side, almost like whatever was tormenting me for three years and I had switched places for a week and I did not like the thought one bit. So that's my story of my encounter with my dad's office demon. I hope you enjoyed it. I genuinely love TGOG podcast and I'm always looking forward to see what chilling topics y'all come up with and what other people encounter too. Thank you for giving us all some entertainment during this crazy time of quarantines and being stuck inside. And please always stay spooky. Keep up the amazing work and I'll see you on the other side. Thank you again, Lily. Okay, I'm just, because this is a terrifying story, but I'm just going to put on a spin on it that might make it seem a little fun. Okay. Okay. So her dad's office had all these like weapons, right? So Mm -hmm. maybe one of these swords or whatever it might be belonged to someone who just like really loved their weapon and they saw all these balloons up on the wall and they were like, wait, I can pop all these balloons with my sword. And they just wanted her to watch. It just wanted Lily. It wanted an audience. It wanted Lily. Like, look at me, mom. Look what I can do. Yeah, like look at my skills. The only reason I say this is because whatever it was really wanted her to witness them popping the balloons because it banged on her door violently. She finally opened it and then it sprinted away, popping every balloon on its way back to the office. Or it was just really dark. I don't know. I don't know. I'll add to your spin, positive spin, (laughs) because the story is like so freaking scary. (laughs) What if, inspired by what you just said, what if there was an actual like magical artifact that was inside the room and it was trying to summon her like a horcrux, you know? And it was like, (laughs) she, Lily is magical and she needed to touch this one object or hold it or do something to be able to understand the magic within her and to release her powers. This sounds like a Disney Channel original movie. Well, I just watched Onward and that's pretty much the premise of Onward. (laughs) 
My half sister was actually just telling me about Onward. She, I think she spoiled the whole movie for me because she talked about it for like thirty minutes. And I was like, <laughs> I think I know what's happened now. But, but it's so, it's so good. You can still watch it. Okay, I'll still watch it. But yeah, oh my gosh, we can keep coming up with scenarios that make this <laughs> thing better. But like, okay, we always say trust your pets, and we will trust her dog. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what's her dog's name again? Oh, Jordan. I love that. Yeah. So wild. Ooh, the loud, loud bangs. Hell no. Mm-hmm. I just like, I don't know. Basements are scary. They really are. There's just nothing, no way around it. They're, no. unless it's above ground basement, I feel like. Yeah. Like a basement that has like that walk, you know, when you like live on a hill or something and there's a right. walk out to your. Cause then it has full windows. It's not right. totally in the cold soil. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, I just had a weird thought. So, you know how, like, obviously, cemeteries, you're buried underneath the ground. Mm-hmm. What if there are certain entities that can only travel within, like, an underground system? Which is why... Subterranean spirits? Basements are so terrifying because it's like anything can reach it. Jesus, this is a whole new category of ghosts <laughs> that I didn't know existed. Now I'm scared. I was this many years old when I thought of that. <laughs> Subterranean ghosts. <laughs> Oh god! Ew! I'm thinking of like little, like little moles, just kind of like sprinting, weaseling their way through. Yes, maybe that's why there's no rhyme or reason sometimes to why places are haunted. It's just you happen to be on a little tunneled path. It might be. Yeah, it could be because basements, basements and attics. It's so weird. It's like the two extremes of a house have some type of feel. Right. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, they do not feel good. Okay, what do you have? This is from Bryn. The subject line is, I have many stories. Hi, ladies. I literally just started listening to your podcast within the last two weeks and totes love it. I've been very much into the paranormal stories experiences since I was knee high to a grasshopper, which I attribute to the fact that mine began at a very early age. Oh, and I'm a girl. Name pronounced Bryn, not Brian. It happens a lot. (laughs) Anyway, I'll try to make this the abridged version. I grew up in an average-sized town in central Illinois, and my mom married young to what I call my bio dad, and later had my older brother, followed by me. We purchased a small bungalow from my uncle when I was four, a home that had been in the family for a few years, and never previously had any paranormal activity. My bio dad was not the greatest guy. He was an alcoholic, violent, we all know the type. Although when he wasn't drinking, he was incredibly wonderful, but he was always drinking. Fast forward, my bio dad died tragically in a fire, which, as a side note, he had tried to set a car bomb to kill my mother, but was drunk, and instead, well, you get it. So there I am, six years old, and my mom has to tell me and my brother that our dad has died. And then, slowly, things started to happen in our home. My mom was only 29, working full-time as an ER trauma nurse, exhausted out of her mind, and had two kids to care for, a dead husband, and a lot to keep afloat. And slowly, things started happening. Cabinets would open and close on their own. The TV would turn on and off. She tried to get help, but everyone did the, poor dear, you're just exhausted, etc., etc. And we come from a huge family, a huge Catholic family. So everyone treated her like she was just the sad widow that was losing her mind and started taking us kids more and more to give her a break. Then things got worse. Our house became active nightly, so much so that we couldn't even sleep apart. My brother and I would end up on the bed with my mom, and we were all just so exhausted from the nonstop interruptions. Then things got worse again. So here I am, six years old, magical thinking stage. I was and am a super loving, super outgoing, and was always a mama's girl and grandma's girl. Slowly, I started to change. 
My mom noticed I was harsh, quiet, almost a total personality change, and I started talking about my imaginary friend, Toby, who appeared to me as a dog. She didn't think much of it at first. I was and am a huge animal lover, and she figured as a child I was coping. Until one night, I had told her I was going to sleep in my room instead of with her. She heard what could only be described as a noise and got up to see that my door was closed and immediately came in to check on me, only to find that she couldn't open my bedroom door. When she finally gets the door open enough, she saw that my dresser had been knocked on its side to block the door and my mattress was flipped and the other short dresser, which I had to the right of my bedroom door, was all pushed to block her entrance. She saw me on all fours, shouting out gibberish. And when she saw that with that mama bear strength, she pushed the door up to come scoop me up but I pushed her off with what she described as a man's force and headed for the front picture window in our house. She jumped on me nearly seconds before I could jump through the window. I have no memory of this specific incident and all the other crazy stuff that happened in the house. Yes, but this one she didn't share with me until I was much older. Whatever was left behind when my bio dad died certainly tried to take the rest of us in its own way. I have many, many more stories of this house, but until next time, ladies, see you on the other side, Mrs. B. Wow. Okay. This is terrifying. It's very intense. Another case of something overcoming whatever power you have to protect yourself and just intruding on your personal space, making decisions for you, basically possessing you. Yep. And then just the fact that all of the like furniture and mattress, like everything was flipped. That's so freaky. That's so like such a staple of demonic possession cases, you know, like a full on demon doing everything it can to just either scare someone or maybe it's just like out of control of its energy at certain points and things move and shift. And it reminds me so much of the Enfield poltergeist, the story that the conjuring two was based off of. Yeah. The daughter just becoming possessed almost. And I'm very glad. And I hope Bryn, nothing worse happened to you, but it sounds like truthfully, it does sound like something was trying to take over her. And that's why it was like, blocking her mom's entrance into the room because if it had a moment alone, maybe it would have successfully done something, which is so terrifying. But thank God for mama bear strength. I know. Seriously. Oh my gosh. So scary. The whole thing is so terrifying. I know. I can't even imagine. (laughs) It's bothering me. I know. It's bothering me to think about it. Like it almost reminds me of our friend, like not as bad, but of Marissa's story, but remember Mm -hmm. how her, she has the story or her dad has a story where he went into her room and she was sitting up and just like speaking gibberish and all crazy. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning she was like, I was above like a sea of fire and just all these creepy ass things. And it just kind of like reminds me of that. Like just kind of what happens? Like if you let it play out completely. Right. What happens? I don't think anyone wants to find out. Oh, yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> not, but I'm I'm confused. Does it then turn into like kind of like a Rick situation where it's like these two right. beings that are just end up battling one another? It's just so sad to me because clearly Bryn and her family had gone through so much already. Yeah. And then, you know, to lose their father, who granted was not, you know, the best dad and was violent and an alcoholic, but like it's still emotional regardless of that relationship. It's still sad and hard to lose someone that is your dad. And then for that, all that energy and negativity then to be like replaced and like absorbed by some negative entity that then tries to like attack your family even more. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't need that. These people don't need more pain. No. 
feel like that unfortunately seems to be the MO a lot of the times. It's like whoever's suffering, wherever the energy is maybe a little uneasy or weakened because of some awful event seems to attract even more negativity, which is just like the absolute opposite of how it should work. I know. I just like want good things to come knocking at their doors. Right. This is from our listener, Melissa, and it's called Haunting from the Tooth Fairy. Uh, So cool. So cool. And just as an FYI, I will read it so it is safe for all listeners. Oh, thank you. That was a good disclaimer. Yes. Hi, ladies. I've been listening to your podcast for several months and like to bounce around between your most current releases and some of your older episodes. I was just listening to episode 73, where you read a listener's story about some freaky happenings during pregnancy, and you went on to discuss pregnancy, infants, souls, and reincarnation. And this reminded me of some of the strange events in my own daughter's young life that started from the first day she was home. Let me back up by explaining that I was raised in a spiritual home. My mother and I have always believed in spirits, especially those of our closest relatives, visiting us in dreams, protecting us, and guiding us to miracles. It is not surprising then that my daughter, now almost nine, has strong spiritual beliefs as well. My spooky experiences with my daughter started the day I brought her home. She was 36 hours old and I was scared beyond belief to have this tiny infant in my care. I was nursing her every one to two hours for those early days, so I, quote, slept in a comfy reclining chair in her room. I didn't sleep too much that night, fading into sleep with this tiny seven-pound ball of a human curled up against my chest. I'd wake up with the slightest change in her breath or movement of her tiny nose. At one point, I must have drifted off into sleep again and was startled awake by two hands firmly grabbing my ankles. It was a strong grip, but not painful, and strangely did not feel menacing. It did scare the shit out of me, and I refused to sleep in that room ever again. I moved my daughter to a bassinet by my bed. I told a colleague about this at work, and she was a self-proclaimed medium and a spiritual guide who told me that often spirits will pull down your blankets or grab your ankles in an attempt to let their presence be known. And it was probably a friend of my daughter's spirit giving me a friendly hello, although it creeped me out. And I love that there are forces beyond my awareness watching out for my daughter. Many weird things have happened during my daughter's nine years, but I really want to tell you about the most recent and my favorite story. This happened about a year ago, just before Christmas. My daughter lost a tooth and was excited for the tooth fairy to come. And she has a tooth-shaped pillow with a pocket on the back so that she can write a note to the tooth fairy and leave her tooth. My daughter fell asleep around 8.30 or 9 that night and I stayed up watching TV until about 10.30 when I slipped into her room to check on her and make sure that her tooth pillow was where it should be. A couple hours later, my daughter called me into her room and said that she had a weird dream and she was scared. I looked at the clock. It was 12.30 a.m. I told her that it was okay and that she can go back to sleep. But two hours later, she called to me again. Mommy, I'm scared. I can't sleep. Again, I looked at the clock. Now 2 a.m. Being the sleepy pushover that I am, I told her to come into my bed and sleep with me for the rest of the night. And as she climbed into my bed, she told me that she thought she saw the tooth fairy and it scared her. Although I was a little freaked out, I thought we can talk about it in the morning. And we both fell back to sleep. The next morning, I asked my daughter if she'd had a bad dream. And she said, no, I think I saw the tooth fairy. I asked her to explain, and this is what she said. I felt wind in my room, and it made me really cold. That's when I woke up. When I opened my eyes, the tooth pillow was across the room by the closet door where you found it this morning. I looked out of my bedroom, and I saw someone walking down the stairs. I asked her what this person looked like, and she said, She was your height, and she had a lot of curly, 
kind of puffy hair, and she had a long dress, and her legs were under her like she was floating down the stairs, not walking, and she looked like those wispy clouds or fog, kind of white and see-through, but not really. Holy shit, my daughter saw a ghost. She continued to tell me that she was disappointed because that is not at all how she imagined the tooth fairy to look. Someday in the near future, when my daughter is a little older, she will understand that she saw a ghost. Although I've repeated this story many, many times this last year, as I finished this last sentence to you, I realized that my grandmother, whom I was very close with and who often visits my dream, was buried in a flowy dress and had thick, curly, almost puffy hair. Oh my gosh. Thanks for the creeps and laughs. See you on the other side. Kind regards, Melissa. Okay, not only was Melissa's daughter visited by the Tooth Fairy, she also was visited by her grandmother. Yes. Her great-grandmother, who just wanted to be a part of this experience of Two her. visits, yeah. Two stops yeah. in one night. Like the same way that Melissa went to check on her and make sure like the tooth was still under the pillow for the Tooth Fairy. It's like her grandmother did that as well. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. And to be, like, for Melissa to be kind of, like, in that panicked moment about, like, what did she see? What did she not yeah. see? And then to be like, oh, my God, there's a spirit among us. There's a ghost. A ghost. I mean, she sent this to us a few months ago. So, like, for a few months, she was thinking that there was just some ghost in the house, like, creeping on her daughter. But then yeah. to realize, like, oh, my gosh, wait. It's my grandmother. I know. That makes everything really nice. And I'm really curious, too, if her daughter will say, I mean, clearly she says when she sees things, but I, I'm curious if she'll remember mm-hmm. anything from when she was younger. Like, for example, my parents said that when I was a baby baby, that, you know, before I could talk, when I was more infant to level, that I was always interacting with someone. I was always seeing someone beyond them, behind their shoulder, what have you, playing with someone. But as I got older, I never said anything and I couldn't remember anything about whatever I was saying. But I'm really curious if any sort of encounter will trigger a memory and if she'll maybe remember being with her grandmother more frequently when she was younger. Yeah. Melissa, you have to keep us updated on your child's growth. Yeah. (laughs) We want a a weekly report. Weekly is a lot. I was going to say monthly, but (laughs) let's go for weekly. We'll start a new segment and every week we'll do an episode of just Melissa's daughter's updates. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Okay. I have one last story. The subject line is my guardian angel is a man hater. It's from Becca. Hey ladies, I've been binging your podcast lately and it inspired me to send my story in. First, a bit of background before I was born, my parents bought 20 acres of land in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. When my mom was pregnant with me, my family was living in a trailer while my house was being built on the aforementioned land. I was also born in this trailer. Gotta love evangelical Christians. I always thought I was just hearing things in my house since we were the only ones who ever lived in it. But then when I heard your stories on the podcast, I was back to believing. The ghost in my house was never malicious. It was a three-story house. And when I was in the bottom floor, I would sometimes hear footsteps upstairs when I was the only one home. Doors would open and shut and lights would turn on and off on their own. And I'm also under the belief that this ghost was also my guardian angel. My father was physically abusive to most of my siblings and I. Altogether, there's seven of us, but I took the brunt of it. Thankfully, he was removed from our lives when I was about 12, but my guardian angel was on high alert regardless. In the years to come, I was becoming a teenager. And of course, that means having boys in my house. This is where shit gets weird. One night, I had my now husband, then boyfriend, and his friend over for the evening to have a bonfire. 
Our basement had a door that went outside, and my cousin and I went to grab some stuff from the basement, so we ran inside. And the boys got bored and went looking for us, trying to go in the same door that we had gone in. The door was open when my cousin and I went inside, but when the boys tried to walk in, the door was shut and locked. They thought we played a joke on them, so they went around to the front of the house to find us, and when they did, they were like, why did you lock the door? And we told them we didn't, but they didn't believe us. At that point, I just chalked it up to happenstance. But then, a few months later, my then-boyfriend went out onto our front porch to have a smoke by himself, and when he came back in, he was pale white, visibly freaked out. So I asked him what was up, and he told me while he'd been outside, he heard someone say, shh, into his ear, like they were leaning on his right shoulder. That's when I started believing there may be a trend. But wait, there's more. So me and that same boyfriend would do the horizontal dance with no pants in my basement. (laughs) Can I just say I picked this story because of this sentence? (laughs) So let me say it again. (laughs) So me and that same boyfriend would do the horizontal dance with no pants in my basement because it was under my parents and I could hear them in case they woke up. I know. Terrible child. Almost every time he and I would have sex, he would feel like he was being stung by a bug. We would look around the sheets. I would wash the sheets. I would use different sheets. But no matter what, he would feel like he was being stung. And we couldn't find any bugs ever. I know there are some microscopic bugs that exist. But like, even with fresh linens, and I wasn't experiencing them, I don't know, man. All in all, I think I had a guardian angel living in my old house. And when I moved, this stuff never happened anymore. I think it saw my abuse and then decided to protect me from men. That didn't keep me from having terrible taste in men, but it did keep my belief of the supernatural alive. Love you, ghouls. Stay spooky and see you on the other side, Becca. Wow. Number one, I love Becca's writing because it's (laughs) hilarious. But geez, oh my gosh. That makes me really love her guardian angel, whoever this spirit guide is who's trying to steer her in the right direction. Like I understand its hesitation given what Becca and her siblings had gone through. Mm -hmm. But I do wonder if there's any correlation between, I mean, granted, I'm sure some of the men that she dated were fine, but just like not right for her. But I do wonder if like the spirit was just trying to so quickly be like, nope, don't waste your time. Not him. Don't don't bother. And maybe was trying to like sting boys until she finally finds one that doesn't get stung. But it sounds like it was stinging her boyfriend, who is now her husband. That's true. (laughs) So I think it was just digging all boys. It was like, which also kind of sounds very motherly in a way, you know, if her mom were to catch them doing the horizontal dance with their pants. What I don't even know how to say it without their pants. There would be like a little bit of like a get out of my house. Like, you know, I imagine. Right. That's the other thing. So if it's if it's her husband, well, it is her husband. She said that you would think if it was like a spirit guide or like guardian angel that followed her. You would think that this would happen no matter where they were. So I think it was just an entity in the house. Yeah, that it's only happening in the house. That's like, no, get off of her. It's very motherly. Like, I imagine a woman with, like, a fly swatter coming at him. Yeah. And hitting him. Like, get out. Get off. Get off. Yeah. Shoo. Yeah. Yeah. Or this is such a darker thought, and this totally changes everything. And, Becca, I'm sorry for even thinking of this. But what if there was something already dark and those influences – were upon certain family members and this thing was trying to sting her husband and like basically like start manipulating him and like providing him with darkness oh well i'm glad that in if that's the case i'm so glad they got out of that house and they haven't experienced anything since yeah gosh corinne why do you have to go so dark 
<laughs> well, when you bring us up, I bring us down. <laughs> so that's how, <laughs> and vice versa. That's I think. how we work. It's our partnership. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we need to balance each other out. Yeah, exactly. Usually it's the opposite. Usually, <laughs> Usually you're going real dark. I was pretty optimistic today. You were. Something's changed in you. <laughs> What's going on? I've been possessed by a good spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly there's light around you. Wow, it's so bright. <laughs> do you feel warm? <laughs> Actually, I do, and I'm usually very cold. Oh, something. Yeah. Oh, Sabrina. <laughs> if you guys have ghost stories or any paranormal alien Bigfoot, creepy, weird creature, dream, loop, glitch in the matrix, any sort of paranormal, macabre, supernatural story that you want to share with us, please do. Whether it's your story, your boyfriend's story, your stepdad's story, let us know. Anything. Our email is twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. That email is also listed in the show notes if you're like, what is it? Uh, mm-hmm. You can also find it listed uh, on our website. There's so many different ways to remember email. You can also like look at our podcast name and put at gmail.com at the end of it and you're Gucci. There's also so many ways to support our podcast. The most important, the one that we always, always encourage you to do is please rate and review us on iTunes. It's free. It's easy. It makes our day when it's a good review and it breaks our lives and hearts if it's a bad review. So lift us up. Yeah, not me. I don't rate them. Sabrina does, though, and she cries. I do. That's probably why I've been so cold for all these years of my life. It's because you're listening to what people say on the internet. And my heart has been broken so much that it's no longer warming my body with blood pumping through my veins. But it's healed by so many of the good reviews <laughs> and all the positivity that people send our way, too. So thank you guys all for that. Yes. And thanks for everyone who follows us on social media, who's a part of our Facebook group. Oh, my gosh. So uplifting. It's like basically a support group, especially right now in these times. I and agree. Also, uh, quite the inspiration for memes. <laughs> so, oh, and that's scary so stories. true. Love memes. Real quick, before we give a shout out to our Patreon donors, who we're very, very grateful for, we wanted to say thank you to Eric Foster and his team at Upfire Digital. Thank you for editing our episodes every week. We appreciate it. And thank you for helping us become more professional. Yeah, thank you. We have these stands now. And we will see you on the other side. side.